Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. At first glance, the summer of 1998 seems strangely familiar. There's a female PM. Winston Peters is her deputy, the New Zealand cricket team is promising much but delivering little, and the weather is driving everyone crazy. 1998 was the wettest year anyone could remember, but it wasn't just wet, it was hot too, the hottest then recorded. Appliance stores couldn't keep up with the demand for fans and air conditioners, and as it turns out, the power supply couldn't either. The load on the electricity network in the central city, rather than being for heating in winter, became about cooling in the summer. This is Matthew Bolland. In 1998, he'd been communications manager at Mercury Energy for only six months, and he was enjoying himself. But in late January, one of the four power cables supplying the Auckland CBD blew. This was one of the two older gas-filled cables, and it was near the end of its operational life, so it didn't cause too many problems. But on February the 9th, its mate blew as well. At that point, it was what you call a, uh, a serious inconvenience to business, I suppose, but not a, a major impact. It, it was... Uh... An issue rather than a crisis. But then, the unthinkable happened. Unbelievably, ten days later, one of the two more modern oil-filled cables also went. Power supply to the city was now critically impaired. You've, you've gone from two cables of the same type failing to a third one of a different technology, different insulation type going. This is concerning, there's a, there's a bigger picture at play. Mercury's engineers were confident that they could safely increase the load on the remaining cable while they repaired the others. It was almost beyond imagination that you could lose all four, and that's what happened. Friday, February the 20th, 5.30pm. The last remaining cable blows up in Mercury's face. The 1998 Auckland power crisis begins, but still... It could be worse. If there's going to be a good time, 5.30 on a Friday, as everyone's leaving the city, is probably as good as you're going to get it. That evening, Matthew Bolland releases an extraordinary statement. It said, the company no longer believes it can supply the CBD with electricity. I mean, we would not have power back in the city for two weeks, and people would need to relocate. And I hung the phone up and thought, if I've got that wrong, I'll never work in PR ever again. This is Morning Report with Jeff Robinson and Sean Plunkett in Auckland on Monday, February 23rd, the day Auckland City stood still. The power supplier, Mercury Energy, has had staff working 24 hours a day to try to repair the four crippled main supply cables to the central city. Only one smaller cable is now operational, supplying 20% of the normal power. The message going out over the weekend to businesses and residents is to stay out of the CBD. And that message isn't being heard. Mercury Energy fears if too many come to town and try to conduct business as usual, the remaining electricity will have to be cut. And if people come in and try and get their businesses operating because the power is on, will cause problems for Mercury Energy by substantially increasing the load, which means that there will be further cuts very quickly. If the power is on, don't expect it to remain on for very long. People's experience of fixing a power cut, um, quite rationally, would be, well, it happens at night and I get up in the morning and the power's back on. No one would have appreciated that this involved finding where the fault was because the cables were underground. We brought some guys from Australia, these specialist cable repairers over, 
and you'd sit and watch them in the trench. Yeah. And they were, it was like watching someone roll masking tape around something at the most incredibly slow speed. It just took time. You'd tape up these three, um, three parts of the cable and then you'd seal it up and you'd put it in the ground again and you'd repressure it with oil or gas and you'd bring it back under load. Mm. And um, unfortunately, uh, when you did that, they blew again. And, and they, they, I can remember that happening at one point. It was like a real kick to the stomach, knowing that these cables, were we ever going to be able to trust them again? Central Auckland was slowly evacuated today as authorities warned electricity would be cut for 10 more days after a huge power failure. Emergency services tackling a freak electricity crisis that has paralysed the centre of Auckland said today that health and safety issues were now paramount. They advised building owners and businesses not to open until further advice as any power available will only be sufficient for hospitals and emergency services. That's for the central part of downtown Auckland, uh, an area bordered by Stanley Street, Beach Road, Key Street to the Viaduct Basin, most of Fanshawe Street, the western side of the city to Nelson Street and to Spaghetti Junction along with Karanga. Happy Road, most of its side street, Upper Queen Street, including the western side, and a section of Eden Terrace. Not that many people live in the CBD, but there are plenty of businesses. And Mayor Les Mills has few words of comfort for them. We can operate the city to a degree, and some people will be able to work in the city. However, they've got to do so without any expectation that they will have power. If we lose power, well, we'll have those options to close down. Could you afford to shut down for the week and, and just go away? No, certainly not, no. Definitely not. Definitely not. Across the road from me here, there's a, there's a music store with a big sign on the door. They are closed for the week. And uh, if you delete um, all the expletives from the thing, they say due to Mercury Energy, who can't sort their stuff out, um, they're closed until Saturday, so there's quite a lot of visible frustration around. CBD dwellers are doing it tough. The worst is going into the car park. It's like walking in total blackness. You can't see, you feel. And I've got a black car, and I can't find it. I've... It's scary. <laughs> I've walked 29 floors twice in the last two days, once in total darkness. I'm stuck in the elevator. It's about 13 other people. So close to the back of their heads that you can't move and you can feel everyone getting sweaty and clammy and starting to panic. Some people are still working. And Auckland City Council parking officers are making no exceptions, handing out $100 tickets to Coopers and Lyburn staff trying to transfer office equipment. But not much is funny. Is it possible there could have been a fault with 111 and you simply didn't know about it? Yeah, that's right, that's correct. Well, that would clearly be of major concern to you, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be, yes. There doesn't really seem to be anybody taking charge of the situation and we just want the truth. We were told we were going to have power next this week. Now it's going to be next week. Are we going to have power at all? No one knows what's going on, and no one trusts what they're hearing. Rumours are flying. The worst is about a secret nuclear reactor at Auckland University that's in danger of melting down. That was pretty unlikely. But it's Matthew's job to damp down these flames and keep hold of the story. People were so angry. Every day when you went to work, um, you stopped at the front gate and you had your car inspected with mirrors for bombs. But we did have to evacuate the building quite regularly because there'd be bomb threats. And we'd all go across the road to a cafe. And after a while, we started to wonder if the cafe was just dialing it in for business. Uh, the anger wasn't all aimed at Mercury Energy. There was also a lot of frustration with the council. Do you believe there will be bankruptcies? I believe that there are already people that have left the central business area that won't be back.
On Morning Report, Bill Rolston blames all the Auckland councils for the crisis. We keep running out of water, we run out of power. You can't drive from one side of the city to the other without winding up in, in, uh, in, in, in a traffic jam. You're not in Guatemala now, Dr Ropata, but we may as well be. If Auckland is seriously damaged by the, uh, the economic impact of this closure, then the rest of the country is too. And a great way to trigger a recession in New Zealand is to actually turn the tap off in Auckland. Energy Minister Max Bradford says while he favours an inquiry into Auckland's power crisis, he probably won't decide on one any time soon. Mercury Energy have indicated that they would welcome some form of review or, or some form of inquiry. Have you got any idea of the economic impact of having Auckland essentially shut down for a week, central Auckland? Uh, not yet, but I have no doubt at all it will run into the millions, the tens of millions of dollars. Time moves slowly. A flash flood knocks out power to South Auckland, and in the CBD, a rationing system comes into play. The western side of Queen Street, where I am, is the AM zone, which means in theory they'll have power from 7 till midday. The other side of Queen Street, where I am now, is uh, the PM zone, which means they've got power from 12.30 to 7. As the weeks go on, Queen Street becomes loud with diesel generators. In the harbour, a ship provides some power, while the producers of TV show Hercules and Xena offer their generators too. The CBD empties out. Some businesses relocate to the suburbs, to other cities, and some to Australia. Some just shut down and never reopen. Despite there being no alarms or traffic lights, the CBD is mostly crime-free, and those who stay develop a weird, dark spirit of cooperation and humour. Joke, what did Aucklanders use before candles? Answer, electricity. Matthew Bolland's strangest moment comes at a press conference. Somebody leaned forward and said, this is a very, very trying time. How are you coping personally? Well, I can remember... um, Bob Wallace from the back running his hand across his neck as a cut, cut, and I, I think I said something along the lines of, well, you know, we're, we're here to do our job. I'm sure there's a lot of our customers are having a pretty tough time. It can now be revealed that the person who asked that question is RNZ's business journalist, Nona Peltier. But the really hard questions are still to come. Mercury's board had known about the potential for failure in its ageing cables for at least five years. However, instead of laying new replacement cables, the board opted for the more ambitious solution of a massive underground tunnel, which will cost over $100 million and which is taking years to complete. The formal inquiry announced by the government is expected not only to examine the technical reasons for the cable failures, but to look at the issues of accountability which have been brought to light because of the crisis. RNZ's Bronwyn Evans points out that due to the bizarre corporate structure of Mercury, there is no accountability. Mercury is basically run uh, by a law firm, which is Russell McVeigh, and uh, so which, of course, also possibly makes things uh, a little bit difficult for those who think they're going to get compensation. When you say run by the law firm, you mean they appoint the directors? That's right. They appoint the directors, and they appear to be accountable to nobody. Mercury Energy was formed when the old, publicly owned Auckland Electric Power Board was privatised by the Labour and then the national governments. Former Chair John Collinge says this is where the trouble begins. The attitude changed. It was from one where electricity was uh, very much part of the infrastructure of the country and an absolutely essential service to one where electricity was simply another product and uh, a business had to be run along those lines. In one year after being privatised, Mercury went from having 1,200 employees to half that number. In the rush for profits, big projects and an eventual sale, did routine maintenance suffer? CEO Wayne Gilbert is under the gun, but rightly or wrongly, someone else is too. Network General Manager Richard Gibbons joins us now. Good morning, Mr Gibbons. 
How are you? <laughs> right. Have you had time to, to look at your handling of it and say, have we been handling it properly? We haven't gone sat down to, to do a detailed analysis of, of every action as yet. Um, at the moment, it's still focused on getting it fixed. But the Dominion this morning is quoting a report by a company called, I think, Leyland, seven years ago to the, to the Auckland Electric Power Board, which, of course, is the precursor of Mercury, warning that those two gas-filled cables were worn out and would not last. Do you know of that? I don't recall seeing it, but um, if they claim they wrote one, um, no doubt they did. Maintenance at all times has been kept up to all the required standards and we have checked on several occasions by having international parties over that we were doing everything we were supposed to do with them. Five weeks after it began, the crisis is over, mostly, but outages carry on until May. Two days before the ministerial report is released, Mercury CEO Wayne Gilbert has a fatal heart attack while sitting at his desk. He was quite a calming presence and a very nice man and it struck me that after such a fantastic corporate career, he, he would die at his desk on, on something that, to a large degree, had been developing before his time. There was a drive for personal accountability, which I get, but I could see from the inside the, the work these people had done and, and the, the, the pain they felt that it had happened. Somewhere along the line, the, the calculation for, for what went wrong was made, uh, and it wasn't right, but um, I don't think you can treat it home to one person. The report is critical of Mercury and the old Auckland Power Board for their risk and asset management, as well as their contingency planning. It identifies corporate governance as an issue, but doesn't blame it for the crisis. Over the next few years, Mercury Energy changed shape and name, becoming Vector Limited. Matthew Bolland moved on a couple of years later and now works for two degrees. The 1998 power crisis is still fresh for him and still painful for many. Twenty years on, when asked if he wanted to take part in this programme, Richard Gibbons politely declined. People wanted to blame him for a lot of things, but you can hardly blame him for that. This story was produced for RNZ by me, Justin Gregory, using archival audio from Nataunga Sound and Vision. It was engineered by Rangi Powick. You can subscribe to every episode of Eyewitness at Apple Podcast, which you might still know as iTunes, or on Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, or at radioNZ.co.nz forward slash podcasts. Make sure you give us a rating too. In the next episode of Eyewitness, in 1999, our internet was all dial-up and Kiwis didn't trust it enough to spend money online. Could there have been a worse time to launch an online auction site? So how did Trade Me survive? And remember, if you have stories you want us to tell, you can get in touch with us at eyewitness at radionz.co.nz. Kakite anō. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.